I'm Liz Sauer, and this is Ghosts in the Burbs, a podcast of ghost stories from Wellesley, Massachusetts. A warning, adults who use adult language told me these frightening tales, these ghost stories, aren't for kids. I know I'm chock full of podcast recommendations lately, but I have two more. Sirens of Scream and Let's Not Meet. The former is your best bet for spot-on, up-to-date, all-things-horror recommendations. The latter is your best bet for a lost night's sleep. Give them a try. Thank you, Maura Cartwright, Alex Beltran, and Amy Hopper for your support on Patreon. Stay tuned after the ghost story for a harrowing tale about another generous Patreon supporter, Ashley Black. Well, here we go. Believe it or not, we're on to ghost story number 34. Third time's a charm. Biddy. Dum-dum. In all caps. Me. But if I hadn't gone, I wouldn't know there was something attached to me. Biddy. Eye roll emoji. Me. She knows Father McGonagall. Biddy. Yeah, I'll check into that. Me. Will you just please be here with me when she comes to the house? Biddy. Ugh, yes. Me. Smiley face emoji, thumbs up emoji, ghost emoji, devil face emoji. Biddy. Poop emoji. I was saging the house like it was my full-time job, and I had the kids sleeping on blow-up mattresses on our bedroom floor. Chris wasn't thrilled, but he reassured me that he didn't think it was my fault that there was something creeping around our family again. I didn't agree. I installed a hook-and-eye latch on the basement door, placed high enough so the girls couldn't reach it. I buried St. Benedict medals at the four corners of the property, and I said out loud, when no one was home, I command any negative spirit to leave this property. It was pretty weak, but I felt better making an effort while I waited for Judith Kay to swoop in and save the day. In the meantime, I received a text from a woman in town. She explained that a mutual friend had provided my phone number. She wanted to meet me to give an interview and ask for advice. I recognized her name immediately. Jen Hensley's appearance is deceiving. She appears to be a completely involved mother of two with a healthy, if a touch, overactive social life. She doesn't look like she quietly commands a group of Wellesley mothers. She doesn't seem like a cold-hearted gossip. She doesn't appear as though she could detach in the blink of an eye and gaslight a woman right out of her social circle. But I've heard a few stories, and I believe them. What Jen looks like is a typical Wellesley mom. The dark circles under her eyes that show through concealer might indicate a sleepless night with the kids, though they more likely are the result of staying up too late with too many vodkas on the rocks, a.k.a. skinny bitches. She hides a calculating mind that doesn't miss a beat or a social guffaw with a tight smile and a quick laugh. But don't let the way she quickly cozies up fool you. Jen files every tiny detail you tell away in her ex-businesswoman's mind. I've mentioned before that the town has five elementary schools, and the townsfolk tend to identify and click up along the district boundaries. Jen's children attend the elementary school known for its party atmosphere. Think booze-soaked, themed, costume school fundraisers. A class social complete with an ice luge. 
Moms frequently plan girls' weekends to tropical locations or full-service spa getaways. It all sounds like so much fun, doesn't it? Drunken late nights with friends, quick getaways with the girls to recharge from family life. But just like every dark tunnel has a light of hope, every bright and shiny click has a dark underbelly. Jen Hensley floated like a butterfly and stung like a bee in her microcosm of suburban social life. When she reached out, I knew of Jen, but I didn't know her. I felt the familiar rise of good old-fashioned middle school social anxiety. The queen bee had come to call. Now what the fuck was I going to wear? We met at Cafe Nero, my suggestion. My friend Jennifer warned me to watch my back. She knew a couple of women who had been burned by Jen and didn't want the woman's conniving ways to negatively affect me or the blog. I considered canning the interview, but curiosity got the best of me. She can't be all that scary, I reasoned. Unable to find anything in my closet that felt cool, and then angry with myself for even caring what I was going to wear to meet this famously bitchy woman, I chose black workout gear and threw on a light North Face vest. Whatever. I got to the cafe early to snag a table. After waiting about ten minutes, a woman approached me, dark Gucci sunglasses obscuring her eyes. There you are, Jen said in a mildly accusatory voice. Here I am, I replied, forcing a smile. I'll go grab a drink, she stated, placing a large goyard tote on the chair opposite mine. What are you drinking? She pointed at my cup. Just coffee, I answered. She gave a little nod and strode off towards the counter. I scrolled through my phone to kill the time while I waited. Jen gracefully took her seat across from me and popped the lid off a green tea. Now held back by her sunglasses, her shoulder-length highlighted hair was beginning to show its roots. Jen was just this side of too thin, in that way that ages a woman's face prematurely. She wore white skinny jeans, a blue and white slouchy long-sleeved St. James shirt, and some kind of cool white sneaker. We chit-chatted about mutual acquaintances and the schools our kids attended. "'Where do you work out?' she asked. I named the gym where I'd been attending yoga classes. Are you headed there after our interview? I shook my head. Her eyes skipped over my apparel. So how many kids do you have? Three, I answered after swallowing a sip of coffee. All girls, right? Right, I said, realizing that she'd done her homework and wondering what else she knew about me. Do you mind if I record our interview? I asked, pointing to the recorder by my coffee cup. She shook her head. Whatever. So you don't mind then? And is it all right if I publish your story? Under a different name, of course. No, that's fine. It's not like anyone I know will read it. So I guess I'll just start telling you what happened. Okay, so do you remember that eclipse we had? The one that happened last summer? I asked. Yeah. My daughter had some friends over that day after school, and then when their moms came to pick them up, we ended up chatting like we always do, and then my neighbor, Maeve, came over, and when 4.30 rolled around, I poured the rosé, and one glass turned into another. You know how it is. I ordered pizza for the kids and chatted with my girlfriends in our sunroom. My daughter, Madison, was really into those Goosebumps books last summer. She tore through them, and she was always on the lookout for something scary, and I think the girls were a little freaked out by the clips or whatever. Anyway, she and her friends came into the sunroom to show us this light-as-a-feather, stiff-as-a-board game. You know that game, right? I nodded my head. 
Yeah. So they were just like fooling around with that. And my friends and I got into the fun and we did it too. Then Maeve asked the girls if they'd ever heard of Bloody Mary. Oh, Jen. How was I supposed to know it wasn't going to be just like a game, like that stuff is a board crap? Are you about to tell me that you played Bloody Mary during an eclipse? I asked in disbelief. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. Maeve's husband is like way into weird stuff, like weird board games. And okay, this is so embarrassing. I would die if my husband did this, but I guess the guy does like ghost hunting. Wait, what is their last name? I interrupted. Uh, Sayer. Why? Do you know Maeve? I closed my eyes for a second and took a deep breath. I know her husband. Nick? How do you know Nick? Did he sell you a house? No, I interviewed him about, well, about the paranormal things he's into. And he actually introduced me to one of my very close friends. Small world, Jen said, and I could tell she was filing this information away in her mind. That perhaps I was someone who actually had connections in her little social world, and she might just need to adjust the way she handled me. So, Maeve brought up the idea of Bloody Mary to your children? I asked, not wanting to talk about Nick or what I thought of him. Yeah, just for fun. We all did it when we were little girls, right? I shook my head. Well, now that I think of it, I didn't either, but I know I talked about it at sleepover parties or whatever, Jen admitted. I remember talking about it, too, and I absolutely did light as a feather, stiff as a board, but Bloody Mary just felt too, I don't know, risky. Scary, actually, I said. I figured it was just Maeve being strange. I thought it was just a stupid kid's game, and I know Maeve is into some really weird shit. I mean, who over the age of 15 still talks about ghosts and seances? Jen tossed her hair over her shoulders, and I just sat quietly. Actually... I'm pretty sure I did a slow blink, though Jen didn't notice. Okay, so get this. We're all just laughing and having a good time over that stupid feather game, and then Maeve goes and tells the girls about this absurd Mary person, and she dared the kids to go into the bathroom, light a candle, turn out the lights, and say the name three times. And they actually did it? Not exactly. Madison's little friends were too scared, and I could tell that Maeve was like, I don't know. I just felt like she was being a prick. She made some comment about them being too scared to do something really spooky. So I was like, come on, Maddie. Your mom isn't scared. I'll do it with you. No, 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 I breathed. Yes, 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 she insisted. I wasn't going to let Maeve put down my daughter like that. Are you guys friends? I asked. Me and Maeve? Totally. She lives three doors down from us. New construction. Oh. I thought, so that's why she doesn't like the woman. Maeve was richer than Jen. What exactly did you and your daughter do? I asked. I grabbed the Panion blush suede Joe Malone candle that I had in the kitchen and brought it into our powder room. Text in brackets. I looked it up so you don't have to. Women like Jen throw on useless information like that because they are trying to tell you something. Here's what this incredibly specific candle description is telling us. Y'all, that candle costs $470. And brackets. The girls were all giggling and excited, and my girlfriends were like, oh my god, Jen, you're too funny. I hustled Madison into the powder room, and we did it. 
I waited for her to elaborate, but she just sipped her tea and looked at me expectantly. Right, but what exactly did you do? I asked. We said her name three times or whatever, Jen replied testily. What's the whatever part? Here's the thing. I was about three glasses of rosé deep, and I was just treating it like a joke so Madison wouldn't get freaked out and so she could look cool in front of her friends. I may have been a little flippant. I forced myself to be quiet and waited for the truth to come. Ugh, fine. I think after we said the name three times, actually, I'm pretty sure Madison only said it once, but after I said it the last time, I said something like, Now twirl, bitch. Had I been drinking coffee at that moment, it would have shot out of my nose. This was the problem with women like Jen. As nasty as they can be, their cruelty can be bitingly funny, and therein lies their dangerous appeal. Jen smiled at me as I laughed, and I could sense her softening towards me a little bit. I took a breath and pulled myself together. So after you called Bloody Mary a bitch, what happened? Jen's face darkened. Stop saying her name, okay? Here's the thing. I thought it was nothing, like a total coincidence, right? But we saw someone in the mirror. I mean, it was like the outline of a person, like a dark outline, but sort of cloudy, you know? She was standing right beside me. Madison screamed, and I jumped away from the figure. But when I looked next to me, you know, not in the reflection, but actually next to me, no one was there. But in the reflection, she was there. She was shorter than me, and the longer I stared at her, the clearer she became. It was only for a couple seconds, and then I flipped on the light and she was gone. Madison whipped the door open and ran out. I admit, I was pretty stunned. Everyone thought we were trying to pull one over, but I could tell Maeve believed we'd seen something. She seemed, like, guilty about it. That was really shitty of her to let you guys do that, I said sympathetically. Yeah, well, I guess it was. Jen agreed. But thank God Madison didn't say the name three times. I don't think I could handle it if she was being targeted like this. Just then, a gorgeous leggy blonde in a tight white t-shirt tucked into high-waisted army green bell-bottom capris snuck up behind Jen and squeezed her shoulder. Hey, girl! The beauty sang out. Jen jumped, and then, in the blink of an eye, her face and voice morphed, happier, higher-pitched. Tinsley! Hey! The woman almost yelled. Oh my god, we have got to get coffee soon. I'm literally drowning in this kitchen renovation. If I'm not there constantly, it's like they don't even remember my instructions. Part of it might be a language barrier, if you know what I mean, but honestly, it's no excuse. Jen made a soothing noise. The women ignored me and spat privileged nonsense at each other for a few moments before Jen lowered her voice and said in a stage whisper, did you hear about the Sylvans? No, Tinsley replied gleefully. What? Sleeping with the next door neighbor, Jen said triumphantly. Oh my God, stop. Well, I mean, it's not that shocking. Did I ever tell you what he said to me at the fall fundraiser last year? Jen glanced at me, apparently just remembering that I was sitting there. She gave Tinsley a look and then said, This is Liz, Liz Sauer. She blogs. Oh, fashion? Home design? Tinsley asked me. Confused, I looked at Jen. No, no, she's like a writer. Anyway, we're just catching up. But let's you and me definitely grab coffee. Tomorrow? Done, Tinsley said, bending down to kiss Jen on the cheek. I'm off. Bye, Lisa. Nice to meet you.
I smiled and waved. Jen's face fell a little bit, and I saw how exhausted she actually was. I saw no point in addressing the gross interaction with her friend, so I sat and waited for her to go on with her story. Where was I? Jen asked. You'd come out of the bathroom with your daughter, and the only one who believed you was Maeve. I reported dryly. Jen squinted her eyes at me. Right. Yeah, so that whole thing put a damper on the night. Our impromptu party broke up after that, and everyone gathered up their kids to go home. Maeve held back, though, and waited for the rest of my friends to leave. She obviously wanted to talk about what I'd seen, so I sent Madison to watch television, and Maeve and I chatted in the kitchen. What really pissed me off was how guilty she was acting. Like, she was all, I'm sure it was just a trick of the light. It is really rare for her spirit to actually show up. First of all, why in the hell did she tell her children to do it if she thought it was real? And second of all, screw her. I know what I saw, and it wasn't a fucking trick of the light. Did she tell you how to undo the summoning? Summoning? Yeah, that's what you did, right? You carried out a little ritual to summon the spirit called blood... The spirit. Did Maeve have any way to reverse it? Well, duh, no, of course she didn't. And this is the first time I'm hearing of a ritual summoning. All right, I said soothingly. Well, even if you didn't realize what you were doing, it doesn't seem to matter. It still worked. Jen squinted her eyes at me again. How do you know all of this? I raised my eyebrows at her. A lifetime of reading, watching, and listening to paranormal stories, and I interview people and write a blog about it. It's just such a strange hobby for a mother. I mean, no offense, Jen said. Flippantly conjuring a ghost of a dead woman with your child is pretty strange. I mean, no offense. Yeah, but that was a fluke. Mm, okay, I said, not bothering to hide my growing annoyance. Sorry, I don't mean to be a bitch. I'm just really fucking stressed out, and I need this fucking dead woman out of my life. What exactly has she done? I asked, sighing. Jen returned my sigh and leaned forward. I went to my old psychiatrist, okay? I asked if I could be experiencing some sort of break from reality or whatever, and her opinion was that I was simply in a highly suggestible state when we did the whole name thing in the mirror. And, like, as a result, I'm somehow vividly imagining these scary things, but it's all, like, a sort of hallucination or waking dream. Do you think she might be right? I wish. How could I possibly hallucinate getting scratched all over my body? Or the loud noises in the middle of the night? We all hear them. My husband, too. How could I hallucinate that? What sorts of noises? I asked. Sobbing, mostly. Paul, my husband, thinks it's some weird animal outside, but I know it isn't. I hear it during the day, too, and it comes from everywhere, if that makes any sense. Like, I'll be in the sunroom and think it's in the kitchen, then go into the kitchen, and then I hear it coming from the damn sunroom. And it sounds like a woman crying? That's awful, I said with a shiver. Yeah, like, what exactly is her problem? At night, I'll start all awake because I hear a woman screaming. It's like the worst scream you could possibly imagine. Like she just saw someone killed or something. But I'll look over and Paul will be sound asleep. So I guess, yeah, I mean, there are some things that only I hear. What about the scratches? When do those happen? It started out that I'd wake up with them, mostly on my back. But now it happens during the daytime, too. 
Just yesterday, I was unloading the dishwasher and this happened. Jen pushed up her sleeve and I saw four scratches across her forearm. The angry red lines had scabbed and they began with a bruise, as though someone had gripped her arm very hard and then dragged their fingernails across her arm. Jesus, I breathed. Did it hurt? What do you think? Jen snapped. I shrugged. I don't know. I've never been scratched by an angry spirit before. Well, it hurts, Jen whined. I just don't understand why she's so pissed at me. I tried my best to keep my expression neutral. Does she bother you everywhere you go? No, I think she's like trapped in my house. But regardless, I feel like I'm freaking contaminated or something. I know what you mean, I said. Are you being haunted by something too? Jen asked excitedly. I shook my head quickly. I just mean, I know from talking to people in your position that it can be really isolating and nerve-wracking and everything. The last thing I wanted this gossipy woman knowing was that I was dealing with an attachment of my own. Have you ever interviewed someone haunted by this woman? No, I said simply. Well then, let me tell you what it's like. My husband, Paul, he usually travels every other week, so I'm on my own a lot with the kids. And come summer, I'm basically a golf and sailing widow. Jen rolled her eyes, though I could tell she was weirdly proud of this fact. Paul got home late last Sunday night from golf on the Cape, and I was already asleep, but he woke me up all weirded out. He said that he saw me in the living room, sitting in one of our armchairs, drinking a glass of wine. So he called hello and then went to pour himself a glass so we could chat, and when he went back to the living room, I was gone. He looked everywhere for me downstairs, then finally came up and found me sound asleep. He said the weird thing was that it looked like I was wearing a long dress and I had my hair up. He thought maybe I'd gone out to dinner with friends or something and was waiting up for him. Oh man, I breathed. So you're not the only one seeing her? That's the first time he's seen her, and my son, Ellison, saw her too. I was in the kitchen, and Ellison came in after school and was like, Who's that weird woman in the garage, Mom? I went out to look, and of course there was no one there. That actually scared me. And then after Paul saw her too, I mean, she's like escalating. I don't understand what she wants from me. She lurks around the house. I see her there, like a shadow out of the corner of my eye. I can't go into the basement to do laundry anymore since I saw her on the ceiling, and... Whoa. Pump the brakes. You saw her on the ceiling in your basement? Ugh, Yeah. I was taking the laundry out of the washer, and something made me look up for some reason. And she was there, like, crouched on her hands and knees, but on the ceiling, like in the corner of the room. I couldn't see her face. She was, like, almost all black and white, sort of. What the fuck? I breathed. I know. Now I'm stuck paying the cleaning ladies extra to wash our clothes. Try not to sound too accusatory, I said, It seems like you're more annoyed about having a nasty spirit terrorizing you than you are frightened. Well, it is annoying, Jen began, when we were interrupted yet again. (laughs) She is so full of shit, I heard a woman say behind me in a low voice right in my ear. I gave Jen a surprised look, then spun around. As I did, I said, excuse me? But there was no one there. Who are you talking to? Jen asked, eyeing me suspiciously. Confused, I looked around a bit more, then said, Sorry, I thought I just heard a woman say something right behind me. Jen raised an eyebrow. What did the woman say? Nothing, I replied hastily. 
Confused and a little freaked out, I said, so you were saying how annoying it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not sleeping well. My husband thinks I'm crazy since I tried to explain to him what he actually saw in our living room. And I'm supposed to host a Stella and Dot chunk show next Thursday night. I can't do this right now. Have you done any research into this Bloody Mary? No, that's why I reached out to you. Right, well, I don't know too much about her either. I sort of remember it having something to do with Queen Mary and her children, but I don't honestly remember the whole story. The thing is, if that were true, then every single little girl who'd ever done the ritual at a sleepover party would be just as haunted as you are now. So I'm thinking that maybe you managed to catch the attention of some other kind of haunt. And the eclipse definitely wasn't in your favor. Well, that's just great. The one time I ever do anything this boring and stupid, I get absolutely nailed. Well, this is Wellesley, I reasoned. What do you mean? This town is sort of weird. When I started my blog, I thought I'd just hear a couple of benign haunted house stories, but this town is really strange. There are ley lines and vortexes, and I've even talked to someone with a demon nest in their basement. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and stop you there. I have no idea what any of that is. I need this bitch out of my house by the weekend. What exactly do you suggest that I do? I definitely slow blinked her again. Well, you could get in touch with a psychic to try and clear the space, but honestly, since the spirits become physical, you know, the scratches and all, I think you should probably have an exorcism done on your house at the very least. Whatever it is, it needs to be done quietly, John insisted. Sure, well, I can put you in touch with a friend who does consultations for the church, but I don't think that anything can be done before the weekend. So, like, the Catholic Church? Well, yes, I replied. Yeah, no, that doesn't work for me. I waited a beat, but when Jen didn't elaborate, I said, Okay, then you'd better find a powerful psychic. And where might I find one of those? I have someone you can talk to, but Jen... I paused, choosing my words carefully. What? She pressed. You might want to take this a little bit more seriously. These things, spirits like this, or whatever it is, they only get more and more powerful. It could really hurt you or make you sick. It's a fucking ghost, for Christ's sake. I'm over it. I just want it done and gone. I know what you mean, I said. As I dug in my bag for my car keys, I was startled by someone yelling my name from across the parking lot. I looked up to see Erica Payne. Oh my God, I said happily. How are you? How is Maddie? Oh good, we are so good. The house is really coming along and Maddie is completely back to himself. I'm so, so happy to hear that, I said, really meaning it. I don't know if Betty told you, but the priest had to come three times before the attachment was completely broken, and then he even had to do a little exorcism-type thing on me to be sure that it didn't jump. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. No, it was great. I've never felt better. Clearer. But how about you? How's your family? Good, good, I said, quickly considering whether or not to tell her about the creeper that had been following me around. If anyone would understand, it would be Erica. Before I could confess anything, Erica asked, Did I see you walking out with Jen Hensley? I nodded, and she asked, How do you know her? I told her that this was my first time meeting her, but didn't elaborate. I hope you don't think I'm overstepping, Erica said slowly. 
Never, I reassured her. What's up? That woman, Jen, you just, I mean, like, sorry, but you should kind of watch your back with her, if you know what I mean. I laughed. Oh, I think I know exactly what you mean. But how do you know her? She came to my morning practice for a little while over at Babson. So one morning, she asked me if I could move the class 15 minutes later because it was too stressful for her to rush over in time after dropping her kids off at school. And I was just like, so sorry, but I can't do that. So she got sort of pushy about it. Like, it would be better for everyone if I just held it later in the morning. And like, that totally wasn't true, you know? So I tried to brush it off and be funny and was like, why not skip stopping for that latte and come straight here instead? And Oh, that was exactly the wrong thing to say. I groaned. Oh no, what did she do? Well, she stopped coming and then so did our little group of friends. I saw them around town a couple times and they like totally gave me the cold shoulder. I think she told them I did something. I couldn't prove it, but I have this feeling she told people I was having an affair with one of my students, which gross. The guys I teach are like 45. Mm, gross. I said, hiding a smile. I hope you don't think I'm a gossip. Not at all, I reassured her. Thank you for warning me, but I definitely wouldn't want to spend any more time with that woman than I absolutely had to. Her leggings felt like saran wrap. Her freshly pedicured feet were slipping all over the place on the sweaty mat, and her cotton t-shirt clung to her body, making her feel claustrophobic and a touch panicky. Ashley Black regretted signing up for hot yoga. The problem was the instructor had closed the door, and as she explained at the start of class, once she closed the door, it would not be opened under any circumstances until their practice was complete, lest any ounce of heat escape. The problem was Ashley needed out, and she needed out immediately. She decided to make a break for it. What was the worst that could happen? So a few random, extremely fit people would get pissed. So what? Instead of stretching into the next downward dog, she quickly rolled up her mat, grabbed her phone and towel, and made a beeline for the door. She pulled on the large, reclaimed wood handle. It didn't budge. She tried again. Nothing. Suddenly, she realized that the New Age music floating through the air had become louder. And then the chanting began. All 15 or so yogis droned the same word over and over. Kalor, they said. Kalor, Kalor, Kalor. Ashley slowly turned to face the darkened studio. The instructor was walking towards her, smiling and chanting that word along with her students. Ashley flattened her back against the door. The instructor shook her head, and the students rose as one and formed a half circle around Ashley and the instructor. Join us, the instructor intoned. Ashley shook her head and fought back tears. You'll join us, the instructor insisted before grabbing Ashley's arm. Ashley tried to resist, but she couldn't. She was so hot she couldn't think clearly. The instructor guided her back to her spot on the floor, and a classmate took the mat from Ashley's arms and unrolled it. The chanting grew louder. Downward dog, the instructor ordered. Ashley whimpered. The classmates assumed the pose on their mats, moving as one. 
Ashley got down on her hands and knees and did as she was told. Now, if it's available and it feels right, flip your dog, the instructor said in a sweet voice. And the class flipped their dogs. And Ashley did too. This has been Ghosts in the Burbs. Good night, sleep tight, and don't forget your nightlight.